Part three, chapter eight of our own set by Ossip Shubin, translated by Clara Bell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Caroline. Part three, chapter eight. And now to conclude. Baroness Sterzl was one of those happily rare natures who have not one redeeming point. In her Moravian estate, whither they now retired, she was sick of her life and treated Zinka with affectionate austerity. Bored and embittered, she was always bewailing herself and made everyone miserable by her sour mien and doleful appearance. When the year of mourning was ended, she began to crave for some excitement. She made excursions to watering-places and to Vienna, where she gathered round her the fragmentary remains of her old circle of acquaintance, and tried to astonish them by magnificent reminiscences of her sojourn in Rome. At the same time she still wore deep furbelows of crape, and wrote her invitations on black-edged paper. She talked incessantly of her broken mother's heart, wearing, as it were, a sort of niope nimbus, while, in fact, her display of mourning was nothing more than a last foothold of her vanity. General von Klinger always declared that at the bottom of her heart she was very proud of her son having been run through by a Sempali. She died, about three years after the catastrophe, of bronchitis, which only proved fatal because, though she already had a severe cold, nothing could dissuade her from going on a keen April morning to see the ceremony of washing the beggar's feet at the burg with a friend from the convent of the Sacred Heart. Zinka felt the loss of her mother more deeply than could have been expected. Year after year she spent summer and winter in her country house, where Gabrielle Train, with her English governess, sometimes passed a few weeks with her, her only visitors. Train very rarely went to see her, and never stayed more than a few hours, and the sacrifice it was to him to lend his little companion for those visits can only be appreciated by those who have understood how completely his life was bound up in hers. With Princess Vulpini, Zinka kept up an affectionate correspondence. Very, very slowly did her grief fade into the background, but as is always the case with a noble nature, it elevated and strengthened her. She gave up her whole time to acts of kindness and benevolence, the only pleasure in which, for years, she could find any real comfort was alleviating the woes of others. Not long after the death of the baroness, General von Klinger left Europe to travel, and did not return till the following spring twelve months. He disembarked at Havre and proceeded to Paris, where he proposed spending a few days to see the salon before going home. By the obliging intervention of a friend, he was admitted to the vernissage, varnishing day, or, more properly, the private view, the day before the galleries were opened to the public. Among the little crowd of fashionable ladies who had gained admittance by the good offices of a drawing-master or an artist-friend, he observed a remarkably pretty young girl who, 
with her nose in the air was skipping from one picture to another with a light and vigorous step and pronouncing judgment on the works exhibited with the inexorable severity and innocent conceit of a fanatical novice this fair young critic was so thoroughly aristocratic in her bearing there was something so engaging in her girlish arrogance so like a spoiled child in her confidential chat with her companion an elderly man and one of the best-known artists of paris that the old soldier-painter could not help watching her with kindly interest presently she happened to see him scrutinized him for a moment and came back to meet him with gay familiarity why general are you back at last how glad papa will be and you have not altered in the very least i cannot say the same of you comtesse gabrielle he replied well of course we last met four years ago at zini's i think she chattered on then i was a child and now i am grown up and i will tell you something general i have exhibited a picture quite a small water-colour drawing and she blushed which made her look like her father you will come and look at it will you not of course he declared and then glancing at her dress you are in mourning he said hesitatingly yes she replied in half mourning now for poor mamma it is nearly a year since she died and a shade crossed her face ah there is papa she exclaimed suddenly brightening we are always losing each other our tastes are different papa is old-fashioned you know quite behind the times Truyn greeted the general very heartily gabrielle stood looking from one to the other little roguish dimples played in her cheeks and at last she stood on tiptoe and whispered something to her father at first he seemed doubtful and it was not without a shade of embarrassment that he said we are going on to the hotel bristol where we are to breakfast with my sister it will i am sure give her the greatest pleasure if you will join her party the general made some excuses it was an intrusion and so forth but he allowed himself to be persuaded and drove off with them through the flowery and well-watered alleys of the champs-elysees to the hotel in the place vendome aunt marie said gabrielle as she danced into the room guess who's here with us ah general said the princess warmly you are the right man in the right place but another figure caught his eye a little way behind his hostess stood zinka the sorrow she had experienced had stamped its lines indelibly on her face still there was in her eyes a light of calm and assured happiness that blended very sweetly with the traces of past grief the bright may morning of her life had been brief and it was past but there was so tender charm in her face and manner that even gabrielle with the radiance of eighteen could not vie with her Train went up to her and there was an awkward silence then gabrielle began to laugh heartily and cannot you guess general she exclaimed it is not yet announced to the world Train stammered out but you have always taken such a kind interest and he took zinka's hand 
the old man's face beamed he positively hugged zinka and shook hands vehemently with Trein. but zinka burst into tears oh uncle she said if only cecil were here and sempali after the catastrophe he vanished from the scene went to the east and there again came to the surface a sempali may do anything he is now considered one of our most brilliant diplomatists but he has gone through a singular change from a dandified frivolous attache he became a hard and fast official he looks if possible more distinguished than ever and his features are more sharply cut he is irritable arrogant and ruthless never sparing man or woman the biting sarcasms that dwell on the tip of his tongue and yet still nay more than ever he exercises an almost irresistible spell over all who come in contact with him one day when the general was waiting at some frontier station in hungary for a train to vienna he was struck by the full rich voice of a traveller in a sealskin coat with a fur cap pulled down over his brows who was giving peremptory orders to his servant the old man looked around and his eyes met those of the stranger it was sempali also on his way to vienna from the east they spoke exchanging a few commonplace remarks but without any cordiality presently sempali began with the abruptness for which his name was a byword you have just come from paris you were present at the wedding what do you think of Trun's marriage i am delighted at it said the general well everybody seems satisfied marie vulpini is enchanted and gabrielle pleaded for her papa so i hear so everything is for the best in this best of all possible worlds he added in his sharp hasty tones and zinka how's she looking the papers said she was lovely she is still very charming said the general with the facile garrulity of old age and happiness always beautifies a woman she had but one regret that cecil had not lived to see it he was suddenly conscious of his stupendous want of tact so to put the conversation on neutral ground he eagerly began to compliment sempali on the wonderful rapidity of his advancement remarking that it must afford him great satisfaction to have so fitting a sphere for the exercise of his peculiar talents sempali looked at him keenly and shrugging his shoulders with a singular smile he said it is a strange thing general when we are young we claim happiness at the hands of destiny as if it were our right as we grow older we humbly sue only for peace as an alms we get what we demand more easily than what we beg for but it slips through our fingers end of part three chapter eight end of our own set by ossip shubin translated by clara bell recording by carolyn in oslo norway in april and may two thousand and twelve Thanks for listening.